Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Welcome in, everybody. We are live at Williams-Brice Stadium where the Gamecocks won their first SEC game of the season, taking care of Mississippi State tonight, 37-30. to And joining us, well, former Gamecock offensive lineman Garrett Anders, and he also wanted me to point out that they're 2-0 and when he's on the postgame show. So if you have any questions for the former Gamecock offensive lineman, we talked about the run game. Look, we got the microphone, too. We, we listen. We listen. We, we, got, we made that happen. We made it happen. Intern Joe's right there. We're going to put him in the green room. But if you want to give him a call, see that number right there, 803-881-2233. Joe, if anyone does call in right away, we're going to wait a second just so we can get Garrett's initial reaction just for tonight from tonight's game. Garrett, the last time we talked, we wanted to see growth from the offensive line. We wanted yep. to see growth from the running back room. South Carolina has been able to do that over the last couple of weeks, but especially tonight. Yeah. No question. You know, one thing that's been very interesting is watching all the freshmen come out and actually start to produce. You know, that's the one thing that, you know, I've had this conversation the last couple of weeks as we kind of see these these young O-linemen start to really produce. You know, everyone, comes, you know, everyone starts asking, where were these guys for the UNC game? And, you know, you got to understand that these coaches are getting paid, you know, hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars to make these decisions, make them very, very well. 
but you're realizing that, you know, I guess they've gained confidence over the season. You know, maybe these last couple of weeks they've really, really gotten the job done because they look great. I mean, they're moving the pile. They're actually getting some guys, you know, taken care of. The run game is getting better. I think, you know, it's been fun to watch Marquis Anderson. I think that's absolutely where we need to be leaning on the run. I think maybe maybe DK is a third down scat back yeah. kind of thing. And I think looking at the way that we're using this offense right now, and I think you'll see Loggins do this more because we're seeing success with it, is that we are using Marquis as a power back. I, I think of first Mike Davis, not second Mike Davis. You know, M- Mike Davis was the kind of guy who wanted to go find contact. He would get chased down by a fast safety, but he was going to get you those three yards. That's what Marquis has been doing, and I think that's exactly where we need to be with this run game. Yeah, I mean, and we're trying to get the stats here real quick. I know Mario Anderson, what a game that he had tonight. 26 carries, 88 yards. This South Carolina running back room, right? And not just room, but just as a team. Coming into tonight, and it's obviously, it's a little misleading to an extent because some of the stacks, some of the sacks will take away from the rushing attack. But heading into tonight, South Carolina, 159 yards rushing. That is 53 yards per game. Tonight, well, they had 144. So I bring that up, and again, with Anderson leading the way with 88. That's great. And we're going to get into the running back, um, just the success they had, but especially Anderson. What did you notice about the offensive line tonight? What have you noticed about them over the last couple weeks? I think one thing that Loggins is still trying to push, and I think he's going to start to lean away from it, is that, you know, when you have a run game and you want to be a good offensive coordinator, you want to run stuff out of 10 personnel, which is going to be four receivers, one running back, no tight ends, as well as 12 personnel, you know, one back, two tight ends, those bigger, heavier sets. We're just not a 12 personnel running team right now. We're just not – whenever we get more – personnel inside the box it brings more safeties and more linebackers into the box and we're not getting that movement you know one thing that i started to realize i watched Lockins do that with a 12 personnel outside zone we got nowhere there's too many bodies there safeties are in the box it's not what's going to work and then he started to pass the ball we started to do a little bit of read with with rattler and it kind of opened up the field a little more field field a little more and that let marquee really bang through some defensive tackles and get about five six yards i think that's where we're going to be successful i think Loggins is still testing the waters here and there, which is what you want out of coordinator. If coordinator just does the same 10 plays every single game, we're going to be terrible. He's still testing the waters with a couple different things, but I think he's starting to see what what the tools that are in his tool bag and how to use them successfully. Well, what did you like? And I'll hold the microphone so we don't have to keep passing it back here and forth, but what did you like about what you saw from the offense, right? I mean, it's obviously real nice when you can go, I don't know, a couple plays, 98-yard drive, and then how do you follow that up? You go 99, which at the time, the 98-yard drive by South Carolina, it was the longest drive, scoring drive, in the Shane Beamer era. So how do they top that? Well, the very next drive, they go 99 yards. Obviously, it helps when your quarterback is playing as well as Rattler is. He's very smart with the football. I think that's the biggest thing that I took away. But obviously, it helps, too, when you have that guy like Xavier Leggett, who has been stepping up and has been playing on an absolute different level. Yep. I mean, I've been seeing that conversation. Yeah, you can hold that way easier. I've been seeing a lot of conversation about, is Rattler the best quarterback in the SEC? And that's just such a – a high standard of of any kind of praise, but Rattler really is the best quarterback in the SEC. I know Daniels has been really good. I think the guy at AM is pretty good as well, but Rattler is being extremely efficient with the ball. And I think, you know, one thing I noticed in the UNC game, and I kind of mentioned it when we were doing the Furman post game, was that you got to run with Rattler. I know it's very scary to have him get hurt, but, you know, we used him very effectively. One thing that I noticed today in particular was that whenever we had the keeps, they weren't keeps where he was going to keep the ball and they hit a linebacker in five to shards. Yeah. It was a keep to where there was nobody, and he ran out of balance. You do that where he's in the boundary. You know, those are kind of things that I think are going to put Rattler in a position to seed. And, I, you know, also I was looking at 5.4 yards per run. That's including sacks. That's including yeah. all those other kind of situations. That's how you use them efficiently. And I think he got hit like maybe five or six times, including the, sla- the sacks. That's what you want out of your star player. Joe, I know you're juggling a couple things right now. You give us a thumbs up if there is a caller. It's, all right. 
Joe's going to be working that. But in the meantime, Joe, if you could pull up some of those comments from Gamecock fans, if you have a question or comment, don't be afraid to leave it in the comment section. You don't have to call in. That's all right. And uh, I think we're actually working through some issues with the phone lines right now. But, look, bottom line is this. We wanted to see growth from this offensive line. And I think a lot of people, and I talked about this on GC Live, and correct me if, if you think I'm wrong. Uh, it wouldn't be the first time that I'm wrong. But uh, from, from having Spencer uh, – excuse me, talk about Spencer Rattler and the way he's been playing, obviously he's playing on a different level. And you needed to give him some type of protection. And I felt like what we've seen from South Carolina in the first couple weeks of the season leading into tonight, it was a game plan where they were going to give their star player an opportunity to make plays. So you left DK out there a little bit more than probably what you did, obviously, tonight. And by having him out there, he's one of your better pass protectors at a running back. He was able to be an extension from that offensive line to be able to help Rattler. Well, what happened after that North Carolina game? You are able to continue to build things up, and South Carolina heading into tonight – the number eight passing offense in the country. On top of that, on top of that, during that time period, Mario Anderson, who, oh, by the way, two weeks ago shared that he was he just needed to be able to grow from a mental standpoint, making the jump up from Division Two. And there's a lot of people that just, oh, they should have put him in last week. They should have put him in a couple weeks prior. I'm not disagreeing that maybe they could have gotten a couple more touches last week, but as Shane Beamer shared on Tuesday, some of that had to do with, RPO calls that they had to check out based on the look that Georgia was giving them. So I say all that because it was a recipe for success where the offensive line tonight, the confidence has been growing. Mario Anderson, he's been able to gain more confidence in practice, and that's why you saw it tonight. It's not going to be one of those video game things where you just throw someone out there week one. Hey, this is what they should have done week one. It doesn't work that way. Yep. And there's way more to the statistics. You know, and one thing I even noticed too, you know, kind of just compounding what you're talking about you know they put uh nick harbour out there at the at the wide opposition no, I, I heard they don't play nick harbour <laughs> well it was funny because you know and, and this is the particular terminology i think it's very important is that they said we're going to have some nick harbour packages the package does not mean we're throwing the ball this is not p47 wham throw to alshon this is a particular situation we're going to have him in there to where you know he's a very talented player and you know that they're going to either have to pull a safety over and double or they're going to have to put your best corner against a true freshman who is also tall and gigantic and easy jump ball guy. And what that opened up was that as that safety kind of bailed off to the side, that opened up the under route for uh, Leggett. And that's exactly what you need. You know, I think I agree with the situation with Mario. I think he's starting to learn the offense. you got to understand the jump from Newberry to SEC is drastic you know that's that's a lot and i think that you know them getting the confidence to actually get that stuff done that's what you need and you know yeah i think it's putting a lot of guys in position to win well i shared this last week we're actually going to have carlin spatel the former division two defensive back who transferred in played at south carolina during shane beamer's first year and i know it's not apples to apples because patel was a defensive back and obviously mario anderson is a running back but what i remember from that season with patel in particular is that it took him a couple games to really get into a groove, and then he eventually became the starter, and he started at nickel for the final seven games of the year. I bring that up because I think that's something that we're starting to see with Anderson. And I don't think, because, you know, people want to just play coach, and they want to say, okay, you know, move DK back to here, do this. No, no, no. Keep DK at running back because he's proven that he is one of your better pass blockers. And don't get me wrong, one of those touchdown passes by Rattler, Mario had a beautiful block, beautiful block. But being able to have DK out there, you saw how that played off. of it. He was able to compliment Mario nicely and vice versa because guess what? DK was actually a little bit fresher. His legs were a little fresher because Mario had about 20-plus touches. And, I mean, when we go back and look at the snap counts, he probably had around 40, if not just 
you know, in the upper 30s. And I think that also opens up some 20 personnel stuff as well. You know, if you're two back, you know, three receiver kind of um, formations. And a lot of what that's going to do, you know, if you treat Mario like a fullback, and I know he's not a fullback, but if you use your power down and then Rattler and DK are your speed option around, that's going to open up some stuff in your offense, and that's going to let DK be great at what he does. Go I'm going to double-check something. we got intern Joe. Joe, I'm going to let you kind of just have some thoughts. Yeah, I'm having – I'm. Ha some technical difficulties on my end, um, but can you guys hear me all right? Everything good? We are fine, Joe. You keep yeah. going with the punches, buddy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds good. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll try to get uh, the phone lines up and running again. But um, if you guys want initial thoughts from me, South Carolina just, I mean, found a way to get the got, get the job done. Gosh, I'm all discombobulated here tonight. Um, but, yeah, this defense kind of showed us who they were realistically um they stepped up in big moments boogie huntley jordan strong guys that we've been waiting you know to step up have stepped up in a very big way so that's my initial thoughts hopefully we get the phone lines working here soon well joe in the, in the meantime, joe in the meantime if you can go through some of those comments if there's any questions we can get there because we're you know yeah, we're, we're taking a couple absolutely. steps back because we got the the microphone here the but yeah i mean look there were things that we've seen tonight. We've seen things over the last couple of weeks where South Carolina has improved. But one of the challenging things that South Carolina continues to have struggles with is that secondary. The, and it's not – I wish I could say it's because they didn't put pressure on the quarterback. They did. They put pressure on – I actually want to look at – I want to pull up the stat right now, and I'll share the screen so that everyone can see. But that wasn't the issue tonight. I mean, South Carolina, they were having their way – with Mississippi State. And if you look at the defensive stats, South Carolina, nine tackles for a loss. They also had four sacks. So I bring that up, Garrett, because you've been there before. You understand that sometimes it's not just on the secondary. If you're not putting pressure on at some point, good players are going to make good plays. But tonight, South Carolina was putting pressure on Mississippi State, and despite that, Mississippi State still was able to find success in that secondary of USC's. And I, you know, and I think most defense coaches will tell you the best coverage is going to be a great uh, defensive pressure system. You know, and Huntley's good. <laughs> I don't know if y'all heard. Uh, Boogie's really, really good. He did a lot of really good stuff tonight. He was a terror in there. And, and it's funny. I've made this comment to a good friend of mine, uh, Jeremy Long, up there. You know, we've got three really, really good D tackles. You know. Uh, Sanders was the defensive player of the week as a backup. I mean, we got a lot of good guys in there. And, you know, I, I watched that a lot today. We did a lot of cover one uh, type pressures. Um, well, we'll take a step up sure. here. here he is. Sorry. You got to love when you're alive. They're trying to take some things off, but this is what happens when oh, South yeah. Carolina won't let a former letterman on the field. Very um, and Very it, Yeah. But I, you mentioned that. Another person that I was really, really pleased with was Jordan Strawn. Because yeah. the, thing about, the thing about Strawn was – He's coming back from that ACL injury. And you go back to last season, and you're just thinking, man, like, this is going to be the year. This is a guy that came in. He was tied for the most sacks in the country before he transferred in. He waited his time before guys like J.J. Nambare and Aaron Sterling. And then last season, what happens? Just two games in against Arkansas. Boom, he goes down with an ACL injury. So I bring that up because you don't know. You don't know what to expect out of him this year. What is he going to look like? Is he going to give you something? And I think, too – when we talk about guys like Mario, we talk about some of these transfers and building confidence. It's similar for a player like this because that mental hurdle, even though he's gone through this injury before, that mental hurdle of being able to overcome and know, hey, 
my knee's fine. I'm good to go. You saw that on that beautiful bend around the corner, finish the play, the strip sack, and then give 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 a uh, credit to the defensive back that picked it up. Nice heads up play because some people would have just sat around. So I was really pleased with Jordan Strawn tonight. Yeah, they were great. And you know, I there's, there's a lot of things you know I saw kind of talking about you know questioning the, the the defensive play calling. You know, let's never forget, and this is very important when watching football. The one of the worst things you can see, you know, thir- three and outs are frustrating, but three and outs mean that your defense are tired. And there's actually that one drive where, you know, we literally hand the ball off to DK. He gets hit right in the summit. The ball pops out. Defense is right back on the field. You know, I watched that drive in particular. And a lot of times on that drive, we weren't getting pressure because they were tired. You know, we're bringing four or five yeah. and you had a bunch of stunts and games and pressures. And how ironic is that? Because last week against Georgia and we talked about this a lot, even in other games, South Carolina, they had four defensive backs. Excuse me, not four four defensive players last week that played in all 80 defensive plays. The defense looked fresh this week because they were rotating guys. Yep. And that rotation is going to help a lot, but you got to keep in mind that, you know, if, if we're getting pressure, it's very, very important. But if a quarterback – and it sounds like not a lot, but the difference in three and four seconds in terms of how long the quarterback can have to read the defense is enough for a guy to be open. And that's where we struggle tonight. And what else helps, though, when you're able to run the football? I mean, because it's one of those things, time possession – I. I asked Coach Beamer about it. I said, look, I know it doesn't always paint the full story. You could be a team like Oregon where you're marching down the field quickly, but knowing your team, knowing the importance of being able to stay on the field, that young fans, he's excited. He may have had a couple too many chocolate milks tonight. But being able to stay on the field helps the defense out in this case, especially when you're trying to work through the growing pains of trying to get some more depth out there. Yep. And and they're going to they're gonna get there with all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I think we did a really good job of, you know, we're going to be a passing team. We're going to be a pass to set up the run kind of team. And that's not a bad thing. It's just something you have to rececognize and realize. And that's one thing. I mean, we, Spencer's great at He's great at not being, you know, most quarterbacks, you need to get a couple throws in for them to get confident. Spencer, first snap of the game is confident, ready to go. And so, you know, and we're going to do that a lot. But I think that if you, if you isolate those 10 yard, you know, 15 yard comebacks and make sure that you're getting first downs over and over again, you got to have a run game because the run game, eats, run game eats up the clock, but you know, moving the ball for the first down also eats up the clock and that gives defense what they need. There's a lot of good things that you could talk about with South Carolina and what they did tonight. Was it pretty the full way through? No, there are a lot of good things though that they did. You mentioned it. It's a win. I think the big thing to me is that this offensive line was able to grow as quickly as they have. Now, having said that, they have a tough task next week. They got to go to Knoxville. They got to take on Tennessee at their place. And you know, Tennessee, they're still probably going to be pissed off about obviously what took place here a year ago and then yep. what took place against Florida. That's, if anything, that's going to get them even more ready because they know, like, shoot, we let our guard down a week ago. So I bring that up because you're going into a place where you have to continue to find success. You have some young guys on the offensive line, don't want to pick out on guys, but you know, look, Trevon, it's going to happen. You didn't, didn't allow a sack last week. Allowed a sack to, it's going to happen. What do you tell one of those young offensive linemen, especially if you're a fellow offensive lineman, an upperclassman, what do you tell him just to make sure that his confidence is there still? So Knoxville is one of the particular stadiums that, you know, everyone talks about LSU, everyone talks about um, Alabama, they talk about a lot of these, these other programs. Tennessee is one of the more daunting stadiums, and the reason why, for those who have not been on the field and looked up, but because it's such a big stadium, it almost feels like it curves back over the top of you. It's 100,000 people, and it's a lot of very, very drunk people in Tennessee, and they make <laughs> sure you know it. Um, for those freshmen, I, it's going to be a situation. I, I, I did that a lot my freshman year. Went into some stadiums that were kind of scary. First game in Mississippi State and all those obnoxious freaking cowbells. Um, they're going to – don't be shocked on the first couple drives are a little bit funky. You know, they're going to be loud. They're going to be really, really angry that we messed up their chance at 
you know, the playoffs last year. That's fine. I love it. But they're going to have a really good game plan. Those first couple drives are going to be really rocky, and that's fine. You know, anchor down. They will get it figured out, and it's going to be a good game. But we got to, you know, expect those bad drives. I'm trying to look at some of the comments. Um, if you want to pull some of those up, Joe, don't even worry about the phone lines right now. We're having some issues with it. Uh, William Jones says, here we go. Chris says, I'm going to lean on in there. Joe, if you actually want to hop on and read that question out loud, some of those things for us, if there's a question, just because we're a little bit further away from the, um, from the screen, if you want to pop up yourself. Joe, pop yourself up. Yeah, I'm sorry, guys. I can barely hear you. Um, which question were you referring to? Here we go, Joe. That one. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if are you asking for my thoughts on this, I can barely hear you guys. If you can if you can read if you can read that for us, Joe. Oh, a little yeah, bit yeah, further yeah, away yeah. from the screen. Yeah. Yep. If Harbor is as talented as advertised, and we only use him as a decoy this year, it will be a tough sell. Him on staying and not jumping ship for more money at Michigan or Ohio State. <laughs> I, I, I can answer that. I mean, this and I don't disagree with this at all. Listen, there's going to be a couple layers to NIL, and there's going to be a lot of situations where Georgia, Oregon, Florida, FSU, they're going to throw a lot of money at our guys, and we're going to have to love guys who are here and that are producing for us, and we're going to have to accept the fact that whenever people – I mean, Bell's doing great at Florida State. I think um, – blanking on the guy's name right now, but the guy at Southern Cal right now. Um, Marshawn Lloyd. Thank you. Why that evaded me? Um, I mean, you know, he's getting a lot of looks for the NFL. It's very, very frustrating. But welcome to the NIL world. It's a whole new game. You know, I don't think Nick Harbor is being used as a decoy. I think it's a situation where if that safety stayed down, we're throwing him the ball. We're yeah. letting him shine. But if they're going to look at Nick Harbor and see a five star and panic and give a bad defensive read to where Xavier is open, we got to feed Xavier. I think you know this is not a situation we're going to have. You know, throw to Nick plays. That's just not fair to him. You know, if we. Yeah. I think it's equally as frustrating if we have him in triple coverage and we're throwing him the ball so he looks like a guy who can't catch the ball versus we have him on the field, we're giving him opportunities to shine and look good as a freshman. That's the best you can ask out of your offense. And according to Carolina Titan, she's one of our, our regulars. He's one of our regulars. Said Birch had a sack today against Oregon. At Oregon, excuse me, against Colorado. I wasn't paying attention towards that towards the end. But um, who's the guy in the black shirt? That is uh, former Gamecock offensive lineman Garrett Anderson. It's not not just some guy that we grabbed out of the stands who uh, was waiting in line for a couple cold ones. Uh, We appreciate you tuning in today. But, um, no, look, the thing with Harbor, and obviously we don't have the full answer for it, right? We don't have the full answer. We heard from Shane Beamer earlier this week. He said it on Tuesday. He said it on Wednesday during the coaches' teleconference. He said it during Carolina calls on Thursday, that they were going to get Harbor out there a little bit more. What people need to remember, and I think there's a good portion that do, that do, but I just need to constantly remind people about this. Nick Harbor played defensive end and tight end in high school. He's transitioning over to wide receiver. He's a freshman. I don't care how many stars you had in high school. You don't have to oh, – you know, Garrett can tell you that. But at the same time, too, at the same time, too, he missed some time towards the end of fall camp. So having said all of that, some guys will be able to overcome that quicker than others. That's not to say that if he's not able to overcome it at week one, two, three, or four, oh, man, he's a lost cause. No, 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 Because if that was the case, man, Mario Anderson, he shouldn't have been out there tonight, you know? So I, I say that because there's going to be some guys, and now that we've hit that four-game mark, okay, this is the fourth game today, 
there are going to be some tough conversations that coaches have with players. And they start to figure out, hey, who is going to be redshirted and who are going to be the guys that we kind of look forward to say, hey, we could play them this year. And I think with a guy like Harbor, look, at some point, you have to ask yourself what is in the best interest of this program. In my opinion right now, I think he could still find a way to get onto the field and play multiple games moving forward. And the reason why I say that is if he's going out there getting into a game like this, he's seeing more time, what that tells me is that he's starting to figure out things in practice. I know fans are tired of saying hearing that. Oh, I don't care what they do in practice. Well, you know what? This isn't Madden. This isn't just put Johnny in at the starting running back. Some of these guys, they need to come along. And for a guy like Mario Anderson, who, again, a couple weeks ago said – I'm still coming along from a mental standpoint, making the jump up from D2. He did that tonight. He was destined. He was ready to go. I don't know if that would have been the case week one or week two. And this is going to be the most annoying part about the NIL game is that I, I don't disagree with the comments, and this is very important. You know, I will never justify the way Satterfield used uh, Bell. But, you know, you can't make your offense solely about trying to make sure that you highlight NIL-type guys because what you're going to end up having is a bad offense. You've got to run – an SEC-caliber offense versus SEC-caliber defensive players. So you can't just have it just constantly be an NIL showcase situation because you're going to have a bad team. Yeah. No one's coming. No one's paying the money to be in the stands to watch us be a 2-10 and 10 win team, but we highlighted guys. Like, it's not yeah. good football. And so it's frustrating. I don't disagree with your point, but understand that 10 years ago – now, I'll speak back when I was 15 years because I'm so old. But 15 <laughs> years ago, it was already hard enough for Spurrier to win in the SEC – with two, three, and four-star guys. Now you're adding all the NIL stuff to it. You're adding all these different layers to the game, constantly having to recruit your own team. There's so many things these coaches are doing all 24 hours of the day that I, I know where our frustrations are as fans. Yeah. <laughs> but they're working on it. I promise you they're not. This isn't just something they're not thinking about. And I know we still have a long, long, long season to go. And right now – Players, coaches, you're not going to be giving yourselves pats on the back right now. Yeah. However, we could do that. We could do that. Oh, I mean, you look at what the two freshmen on the offensive line have done, the two true freshmen at that, Louis and Bubalade, right? Big tree. Had a phenomenal block when Mario Anderson, it felt like he was carrying half the Mississippi State defense into the end zone. Uh, you mentioned Trevon Baugh, all right? There's going to be growing pains at time with both those guys, right? But I thought he did a good job tonight. Mario Anderson, it goes without saying. And I mentioned it before. And I don't know if that's a family member that said, you know, back off, Mario. I don't know if they're saying that to me because, I mean, shoot, if anyone's going to be a supporter of Mario Anderson, it's going to be a fellow D2 guy over here um, because I, I love my D2 guys. Carlin Patel did the same. But I say that because I think it's difficult when you have – and even I, I talking to a guy like Nick Gargiulo, right, coming from Yale. Yeah. There's guys that when they come here, they have an idea of like, okay, it's going to be crazy here. The fans, this is what they live for. Mario, of course, he played right down the street, Division Two, Newberry, right? Right down the street, 45 minutes away. They have an idea, but at the same time, too, until you come here, the expectations, you start looking around the stadium, right? So I say that because it could have been real easy for Mario to feel sorry for himself. Man, I'm not getting out there. Or, you know, my cousins, my friends, people are telling me I should be out there. But he knows it's a process, Continue to work his, his tail off. Came out here tonight. Like I said, obviously, it speaks for itself with what he was able to do on the ground. But he had some phenomenal blocks tonight. So I bring all that up because it's really great to see the growth with either transfers, some of the newer guys, or just freshmen in general, or some of the younger guys that could be sophomores. Stone Blanton, I know it wasn't a, a, a fumble recovery, but it was a forced fumble where he punched that thing out like he owed it, like it owed it money. I mean, I really like the young talent 
that is stepping up right now because when we talk about the core of this, this uh, program and the direction that it's heading in and what Beamer's been able to do in this coaching staff from a recruiting standpoint, nights like tonight should excite you, number one, because, well, you win. But number two, when you take a step back, maybe when you're mixing in a cocktail and you're reminiscing with the boys um, on the back porch playing some cards, you also say, you know what, man, we could be really special in the next couple of years. Again, it's a long, long, long way from here. By the way, Mario Anderson, he has another year after this. That's a, For whatever reason, some people don't realize that. And that's going to make a big difference. You know, there's a couple of things going on there, and I think that, you know, you got to understand how much of tonight was a must-win night for both programs. You know, it's not like Mississippi State's schedule is really easy going forward. It's not like our schedule is easy going forward. It was a must-win game for both teams. And as much as, you know, this weekend is full of make-or-break games for programs like Alabama and Clemson, this is a very, very important game. And, you know, understanding how much the coaching staff and the players actually got the job done tonight, I mean, that's really, really important. Another thing I want to say before I forget this, but, you know, for all the fans that were crapping on uh, Lonnie Teasley for the old <laughs> play now, you better give him his flowers for making sure freshmen are ready to go. I asked something that John Hunt had to do whenever, you know, me and um, Hutch Exxon had to play our freshman year. That's not easy. There's, it's not just X's and O's. There's a lot of mental layers going on there. That's a lot of stuff going on. So give Lonnie some props as well for how well the O-line's been playing. And what, does it, what does it say, though, about the players? Because, you know, especially now more than ever, obviously more now than when you played, but it's real easy to listen to the outside noise. It's real easy for people to say, you know, talking about Mario or some of these younger players, right, trying to go through the growing pains of things or trying to go through the process. It would have been real easy for some of these offensive linemen to be like, you know what, yeah, you know, Lonnie, who, what, what has he done? But there's a reason why he's here. There's a reason why Greg Atkins is still here too as an analyst after all the things that he's gone through from a health uh, standpoint he did a phenomenal job with recruiting as well both those guys did with the offensive line uh sam Shabay as well I want to throw him out he's done an unbelievable job too but yeah i mean the growth and again we have a long season to go we have eight more games to go here but to see what we saw tonight after what we saw just three weeks ago against north carolina again like no, no one's saying you know <laughs> cue up the uh cue up the band let's go down main street for a parade but it really is amazing to see what we've seen with that and to see what, the, what we did we saw from the run game tonight. If the run game can continue to make progress like this, my goodness, run game, passing game. Now, defense, they got to come, come around a little bit. But defensively, I mean, offensively, you got to be like it. I'm, I can't even think right here because they're cutting the grass here. It's like it's Augusta National. As soon as uh, <laughs> match play is done, they're right on the grass cutting things. Yeah, you know, there's a, a couple of layers going on. You know, we mentioned I mentioned this whenever we did the post game for Furman, but it's not about the win or loss versus George. It's about the progression, you know. And there's a lot of things going on in this game tonight that are about the progression. You know, our, we got some stuff that we got to figure out in the secondary. And I know uh, I, I'm blanking on the coach's name, but I know he's going to have a very sleepless night tonight, making sure that he watches the film and gets all that figured out. You're talking defense or defensive? Defense secondary coach. Uh, Torian Gray, and that's Thank a you, great, Torian. Yeah, and that's the thing. And I'm sure you would agree. First two seasons. Torian has done a phenomenal job. And I will say this. I will say this. Yes, there are veterans back there. But even the guys like Nicky Minwari, who obviously missed some time after, you know, the hamstring injury week one. DQ Smith. And I know he he, he had some struggles tonight. Um, and I'll say that because I'm, I'm very high on him. And I think he's going to bounce back. The secondary as a whole, though, they're still very young. And the depth is yes. really young. So I say that because even going into the season, talking with Torian, and he's not a guy that's out here trying to make excuses. Yep. But the reality is, just like a lot of positions, that positional group is very young. So I, I say that because 
Is that one thing that looks you look at and say, man, you know, I should be optimistic about what this team could be because look to what's happened at the offensive line position. Look what's happened at the running back position, at least tonight. What can happen with the secondary based on the improvements we've seen with at least younger guys at other positions? You know, and that's one thing. Understand that in the same situation where if the O-line is having to block in a nine-man box, they're going to be terrible. Same situation goes for the secondary. There's a lot of times that we've brought a lot of pressure with the defensive line and a couple of the linebackers. So what you do is you put a lot of those secondary guys on an island. Um, I think there might be some other, you know, coordinator changes that are not coordinator changes. Sorry, that's not the right word, but uh, different play call changes that I think they're going to start doing to try to give the secondary guys a little more help. You know, it might lead to a little bit less pressure and there's kind of a catch 22 there in, in regards to what's better for the defense. But I think they're going to do a lot of things to try to give them, give them some help there as well. You know, and I forgot that until I was, I, you know, someone mentioned that to me again today. You know, we're working with freshmen and sophomores in our secondary right now. You know, that's I, – I, there was a – I think it's with the um, – might have been the Rams, but one of the NFL teams that did a, um, a question at practice, what's the hardest position in football to play? I think half the team said corner. You know, yeah. corner is one of the hard, is arguably the hardest position in football to play. Everyone says quarterback, but corner is tough. That's Thank a really you. tough position. Thank you. And <laughs> you gotta, you got to keep that in mind, you know, especially with a younger guy that's still working and developing. You know, Stephon Gilmore, he's played in the league for 30 years now. You know, he wasn't the most phenomenal corner in the world when he was here for the first two years because it takes time to learn to play that position. Yep. Well, that means a lot. I mean, I'm not saying that I would have been an All-American here. I think, you know, uh, Beamer, Beamer's done a good, Beamer did a good job on the other assumption D2 guy he brought in, Patel, who, Correct. again, I keep bringing him up because on Tuesday we will hear from Carlins Patel who will give – I think he's going to give some really good insight on what it's like when you transfer in here, especially from the Division II level, but just in general – as a veteran guy from a different school coming in and trying to figure things out. And I think he's going to be able to explain a couple of things, perhaps as to what Mario's had experience. I'm sure we're going to hear from Mario on Tuesday because the way he balled out today, I mean, shoot, he could be talking right now uh, in post game for all I, we all, we know. And I would expect Mike, here's a good question for you real quick. Yeah. Rakeem asks, is OD fortune hurt? Well, Joe, as you know, we're out here doing the show live. So I'm, I'm trying to see if he has actually, just got posted on Gamecock Central. I will read you the updates from our very own Colin Taylor. Let's see. O'Donnell Fortune, hurt. this is from Shane Beamer, okay, in the press conference, according to our colleague Colin Taylor. O'D. Fortune hurt his knee in practice on Thursday. It's nothing serious. Got hit on his knee during the game. He felt fine on Friday after hitting that knee and just re-aggravated it during the game. Uh, because of that, Judge Collier saw more snaps and came up with a big fumble recovery to set up the game icing score. Uh, JT Gear, who had missed the last three games, got his first action of the season despite tweaking his injury again pregame and was retaped. Tyreek Johnson also got a chance to play Saturday after being banged up. So that's what we got on the injury front. Good to, good to hear about OD Fortune in particular. And the reason I bring that up is because, as we've talked about, the secondary is very young, very young, even though you do have some experience with guys like with guys like DQ Smith and Nick, Nick Eamon Worry, they're still young guys. But good to hear about that. Uh, I think, look, biggest thing from the defense tonight, the secondary, obviously, it needs to figure things out. However, however, trying to look at the glass half full, I'm not trying to be oblivious to what happened in the secondary tonight. But this is a defensive front, and I know it's not just the defensive line. It's the linebackers, too. 
that really struggled and give credit to some of the secondary as well. Some of those were cover sacks. And as you know, DBs, but we'll take the cover sack credit. <laughs> Absolutely. But you have to be pleased with what you saw from your front. I mentioned Jordan Strong, the veteran guys who've been banged up, coming back from an ACL injury. You have to try to find something positive. And when you have, I think it was at what, nine? I don't know if it was, they got another one after we were coming down. Yeah, nine TFLs, four sacks. You have to start there, right? Yep. And, you know, one thing I need to make sure that everyone remembers is, you know, this is, though it is Mississippi State, this is Mississippi State. This is, you know, the the late, great Mike Leach. That's still, the, the guy calling the plays here has worked with Mike Leach for a while. That's a phenomenal, that's one of the best pass game people that has ever been a part of the game. And so, as much as we might not think that the players that are running those plays are phenomenal, that's prop that might end up being when you look back on the season the best passing game that we we go against all year. Solely for the fact that Mike Leach was a was a, despite the fact that they're now a running team, uh, but, <laughs> which is crazy. But like you said, they they were recruited yep. to play in the air raid, the majority of them. And and what Mike Leach was known for was being able to put guys in space. You know the old uh, Patriot system of just having guys in space, give them the ball, let them go be athletes. Understanding that a lot of times when those guys are making plays in the se- uh, in the passing game for Mississippi State, it was because they were just slightly ahead of the guy in front of them, which is what Mike Leach made a brand off of. Mm-hmm. Now, I, look, bottom line is this, and like you said, a win is a win. Yep. This is a Mississippi State team coming into tonight on paper. I think a lot of us agreed that this was as evenly as a match as it got, again, on paper. What South Carolina did at times, they showed you that they could take that next up and really be great. Now, certainly there were times where, you know, they needed to be able to convert on uh, third and short situations, and they didn't. Uh, I I know that they're still going to a lot of the short game passing, and I think a lot of that has to do with, at least in my opinion, Garrett, they've had a lot of success over the last couple weeks, at least when they've been moving the football, um, when they've been struggling to run the football. That because of that, they don't want to get away from it altogether. But as the run game starts to develop, as we saw tonight, and if they're able to continue to find success next week with it, I don't think the short game will go away completely. But I think we could start to see fewer and fewer because, again, it's an extension of the run game. But I I think they've just been so good with it. It's tough to just get away from it altogether, even if Mario Anderson's rushing for, you know, 88 yards tonight. Well, and this is one thing that I noticed, um, me and Perry Orth and um, Skarnecki noticed in the, the preseason, the, the scrimmages that we watched, is that I feel like Loggins is very comfortable doing the outside zone yep. stretch RPO backside type of plays. And he has gotten away from that completely, which, you know, shout out to a good coordinator. You may love a certain play, but if it's not working, it's just not working. And, and still shoving a square peg in a round hole is not going to win you games. So I think Loggins has really gotten away from that. But I could easily see him realizing that if we got – um, if we got Mario Anderson who can just hit the hole and really get us some yards, you can still do a lot of RPO stuff off of that. Now, granted, instead of doing the outside zone stretch, you might have to do a little more inside zone, half-man to full-man type zone stuff to take advantage of the RPO. But I wouldn't be surprised if we start going back to that. And then using that RPO to open up the slants options, uh, the hole options that will open up the long passes down the road. I know it wasn't an issue that we saw tonight as South Carolina continues to cut this beautiful field because i got to get ready for a game that I think, what, in three weeks – um, their next home game, you know, yep. but they want it ready for tomorrow. Yep. Um, I'm just kidding. I mean, someone will get offended. Anyway, <laughs> but, Garrett, we didn't see this happen tonight. We didn't see this happen tonight. But I want to bring it up because it was asked on Tuesday night or it might have been one of our GC Live shows on Thursday. Obviously, South Carolina, they, they the th- first three games, okay, outside of Furman, there really wasn't any success in the run game. 
and the, one of the questions was, well, shouldn't it be easier to run block? Now, what I said is offensive linemen probably enjoy to run block more than they like to pass block. Why is that, though, do you think is the case, though, what we saw for the first couple of games when the run game's not going there? And obviously, there's multiple reasons, right? You can look at it. I'm not trying to say that it was DK's fault, but you have a new running back, right? A guy that's trying to figure out the position. I don't think it was just all on him. Um, but what would you say to that when people say, wait a minute, I thought it's supposed to be easier to run the football. For a lot of things that I think that what they're doing differently is that, and this is on Loggins, you know, this is, I, I'm not trying to crap on another coach, but watching what we did with Satterfield versus watching what we're doing with Loggins, it's night and day. You know, there's a lot of times where I, I would watch the game with Satterfield and go, look, you saw that not work for three weeks. Why are we doing it for a fourth week in a row? Loggins has changed up his play calling and the way he does stuff pretty much every single week. And that's a testament to a guy who actually cares about winning some games. Um, uh, you know, and everyone's kind of looking at the, you know, the run game is progressing. What's, what are we doing differently? A lot of what that is, is it's calling plays differently. You know, if you've got seven guys in the box and you've got, you know, six people to block with you're going to fail you're going to fail there's too many guys in the box logins are spreading out he's using the guys efficiently and now granted yes mario's getting more comfortable and it's, it's getting apparent but there's also a lot of times where it didn't matter if dk or mario was back there if there's nowhere to go there's nowhere to go it doesn't matter you know you, you can't break eight tackles and, and win a game and so mm -hmm. i think the run game is a lot is really really progressing solely for the fact that we're putting guys in a position to win which is what you need Again, if you're just joining us, South Carolina picked up the win tonight against Mississippi State. Get back to 500 on the year, but they also pick up their first SEC win in the process. The Gamecocks will travel to Knoxville next week to take on the Tennessee Volunteers, a team who, obviously, right behind us, you remember what took place the last time those two teams met. And the crazy thing about that game in particular, Garrett, is if we use that Going back, I think it's been, what, seven games since then? This is just the third time. The third time going back to last year's Tennessee game, the Gamecocks have been able to eclipse the 100-yard rushing mark. So, obviously, it goes without saying that when USC is able to run the football, they have success. Those other two games, well, Furman a couple weeks ago, and then Tennessee last season to wrap up the home portion of the regular season. So I bring that up because, look, Tennessee, we know from a def defensive standpoint, they might not be the most, I don't know, how can I put this, the stingiest of defense, defenses. And I, I don't want to go as far as to say that this will be a track meet next week and that this could be going down because it could. But if you're South Carolina, and again, just starting to look ahead a little bit based off of what you were able to do tonight, what do you think is the game plan from an offensive standpoint? What do you want to take from tonight? I mean, is it as simple as saying, hey, we ran the ball well. Let's just hope that happens next week. Hey, our quarterback started the game off 17 of 17. <laughs> Let's hope that happens that's, again. That's <laughs> such a stupid number. I mean, I, 17 of 17, you can't do that in video games. Like, that's so stupid. I actually – I want to – I want to read this because this, some of you guys know that I was back up in Boston covering the Patriots last year. So I have some of the, the Patriot beat writers who just follow the Gamecocks now. I think it's awesome. We're going in after they beat Tennessee, after they beat Clemson. They're like, man, I really like the job that Shane Beaver's doing. Hey, can I get a subscription to Gamecock Central? So I'm trying to bring this up here. Because one of the comments from one of the beat guys, he's looking at the stats. He's looking at the stats. And he goes, he's like, is this a walkthrough? 
Is this a walkthrough when it was at 16 for 16? So I bring that up because what, and I mentioned, what would you want to see them do next week? Is there a confidence booster, though? Is a game like tonight saying, hey, you know what? We can run the football. Hey, we can pass for our core. Everyone wants to say, oh, you know what? That was firm. You know, anyone can do that. Right. Well, guess what? First half against Georgia, you were able to do some pretty good things. Yep. Weren't able to put it all together, though. Weren't able to play a full 60-minute game. You did that tonight, though. So the confidence certainly has to be there. What do you do heading into next week now? You know, one thing that's very interesting, and I was very intrigued to see this game, you know, you can only do so much in the offseason, and most coaches are going to really, really overanalyze the first three games, and that's always why Georgia is an interesting game is because they're probably watching Georgia film for, I mean, almost nine months. I mean, that's a very, very long spread. So this is a very interesting game to see what we're going to do. I think the thing that's going to be successful for Tennessee and one thing that I think that we're doing well as a staff that needs to continue is continue to be – unpredictable you know continue to evolve your offense continue to have wrinkles in your defense continue to let rattler be in a position to win we're still running him and i still think that is the, the way to succeed it's not a ton but when he does it it's 10 15 yards it's enough to get you know and let's not make too many crazy comparisons but what was connor shaw phenomenal at running the ball and not running the ball every down you know right up the middle but just pull the ball and make a play and rattler's been doing that a lot and i think that's where you find success i think no go ahead well no and i, I want to pass it back to you because i think the biggest thing that he's doing and obviously some of them you know the jet sweeps and it's you know just an inflated stat you know spencer i'll bust your chops about that one um <laughs> but you did a great job with that too no but in all in all seriousness though the biggest thing that I've noticed with him outside, obviously, the Georgia game last week, you're down by two scores with five minutes to go, you know, the two interceptions. You're trying to make something happen at that point. Not saying he's not trying to make something happen in the other portions of the game. But I bring that up because he just seems like he's been so, so smart with the football. Yep. He's not forcing things. If he does take a shot downfield, it's a good decision because it's either going to be an incompletion or there's going to be a completion. I say that because we talk about confidence. Talk about confidence. And he's been giving it to his, his offensive linemen. He mentioned about Tree and Bods. Like, you know what? Those guys, that make mistakes. It happens. They're true freshmen. And he's saying that to everyone else, too, in the offensive line. What can that do as an offensive lineman knowing, hey, you know what? My quarterback, if we just give him a little bit of time, he's not only capable of throwing the ball 40, 50, 60 yards down the field, but he's really being smart with the football. And knowing that if you just do your job, right? Do the, the Bill Belichick saying, do your 111th. How much does that get you in a better state of mind as an offensive lineman? If only it was that easy just to do your job. Uh, coming from a guy who had to face a couple of couple first-rounders. Um, honestly, I think a lot of what they're doing well is, you know, and I've watched LSU and Tennessee do that, is that, you know, Rattler's getting rid of the ball two and a half seconds. One thing I did notice a lot this year that I kind of – one of my few knocks on Rattler last year was the fact that um, – and maybe this is Satterfield. You never really know because you're not in the room. But there are a lot of times where you would see Rattler try to force a play, and that's where you saw almost all of his interceptions were where he was having to force a play. And I think the Loggins isn't giving him those situations where he has to force a play. You know, if the read is there, it's great. If not, run with the ball or, you know, have a have – a, third read or something that you kind of just drop off to get the ball out and get a completion. You know, there's a lot of those things that I think that Loggins is doing that's putting Rattler in a position to win. But he's making smart decisions. But also, I think for the O-line side of it is that you, all you have to do is block for three seconds. And that sounds like no time at all, but it gets good players. And, I mean, heck, you got to understand, these guys are having to go against Huntley every day, too. Three seconds versus a guy like that is not very easy. But, you know, with that kind of stuff, I think that if you know going into Tennessee, they're going to have some very talented guys up front. But if you can just at least – Put your five guys in a position to at least slow down 
the rush and let Rattler do what he does, I think we got a really good shot. Again, South Carolina picking up their first SEC win on the year to get back to 500, two and two. And I mean, shoot, you look at the stretch, even going into a game like tonight, it's the SEC. So obviously, it's, it is what it is. It's always going to be tough. Oh, yeah. But the stretch in particular, right? After Mississippi State, what happens? We got to go to Tennessee. You got to buy in there. You can breathe a little bit, but then, you know, and I'm not going right down the list. I could be a little bit off here in terms of the order. Just talking about the teams, though. But you got to go to Missouri. And then the following week, you got to go to Texas A&M or vice versa. But the, so the point being is it is a gauntlet, never mind the, just the fact of the teams, but on top of that with some of the traveling as well. Because, I mean, shoot, I can't remember with a college team, at least D1, finishing the year off with four home games, which is just absolutely bananas to me. Uh, which is going to be very nice for South Carolina, especially if they keep playing well. This place will do very well. Joe, I'm going to toss it over to you, though, do some ad reads, and then we're going to wrap up the show with some final thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. I apologize again. I could not figure out the audio issue. Still can barely hear you guys. Mike, you'll get a video after this, I'm, I'm sure. But, um, yeah, let me talk about our first sponsor of the night, Liberty Tax. Tax anxiety is an uncertain feeling you get right before doing your taxes, but you don't have to go through it alone. The tax team at Liberty Tax in Irmo, Lexington, and Columbia will walk you through the process, clear up any confusion, and guarantee you'll get the biggest possible refund or your money back. It's tax time. If you're in a hurry for your refund, call the tax team at Liberty Tax. Fast, accurate, and guaranteed. On the other hand, if you think you might be owing Uncle Sam, talk to the Liberty Tax team to make sure you're not paying more than you should owe. They'll find every possible deduction for you. Locally owned and operated, staffed by tax professionals from your neighborhood, open 99 on weekdays and 9 to 5 on Saturdays with multiple service options. Start through the Liberty Tax mobile app or through the desktop portal, make an appointment or just walk in, give a call to upload your tax documents. And when you come in, your return will be ready to review and sign. Give them a call at 803-462-5576. Once again, 803-462-5576 for all of your tax needs. Today's show is also brought to you by our good friend, Clint Hammond of the Movement Mortgage. If you're trying to buy a home right now, you know how difficult that is. Trying to find the best rate. Well, Clint and his team can help you out. He can do the same as he did for our very own Wes Mitchell, as well as former Gamecock quarterback and captain Perry Orth. Give him a call at 803-771-6933. And like Clint, you understand how difficult that process can be. And you actually, you and Clint work with each other. Yep. You guys are looking to buy a house. Garrett Anderson, Century 21. Uh, Me and Mike and Jules do a bunch of real estate stuff together. If you all have any questions about the market, Instagram, Twitter, cell phone, whatever you want. Happy to help any way I can. Here we go. There we go. Final thoughts here before we wrap things up. Intern Joe. Intern Joe over there. We're going yeah. to get him hearing aids. Intern Joe. Final thoughts on the show. On the show. Final thoughts for the show today. Um, final thoughts. I mean, gritty win for South Carolina. Did the things that they needed to do. Obviously, you wish you could have cleaned some things up, made the score look a little bit more nice and tidy, but you got the job done against an SEC opponent at home. You did your job. You won the game on the next week. You got very, very, very big opponent next week in a very, 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 very tough environment. And then you've got, I believe, the bye week before Florida. Um, so you, you got to go, you know, play all out next week and earn your bye week um, going forward. I think keeping momentum rolling with this week, I, th- I think it was good for the program, you know, way to keep things on track and moving. So that's all I got. Intern Joe going to Coach Joe mode right there, saying you got the 24-hour rule, then go flush it. How about that? Um, Before I get your final thoughts, 
I would be remiss if I didn't bring it up. You can't see it right now. Spin this around so the people can see. Right there, Elshon Jeffrey getting his jersey retired this evening. And as you look up there, the sixth Gamecock in program history to have that happen to, which is an incredible honor. I was with Elshon for a little bit last night, and I asked him, I said, what does it feel like? What does it feel like right now on the night before this happening? Does it feel like a game? You've played in the Super Bowl. And he's like, honestly, he's like, it still doesn't feel real to me. Like, I don't even, he's like, I don't even know if I could really process, and I'm paraphrasing at this point, but it's like, I don't know if I can really even process, like, what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't know what those feelings are going to be like. I haven't had a chance to speak with Alshon today. I know his family's all in town. The last thing I want to do is like, hey, Alshon, you know, what do you think? But I'm supposed to be catching up with him tomorrow, so stay tuned to Gamecock Central on Monday. But how neat is that? I mean, obviously, you didn't get to play with Alshon, but uh, one year. Okay. Senior freshman year. Oh, there you go. You got a little crossover. So let me take that back. Nice research, Mike. <laughs> Making you sound older than you really are. Making you sound like you're John Strickland age, Strickland's age. Um, how neat is it, though, to see a teammate of yours and just someone that represented this program the right way, competed, and then obviously had plenty of success in the NFL? He's a phenomenal human. You know, it's really funny for the fans who were here, they got to listen to his little speech at the halftime and. You know, I think a lot of people see NFL, they see a lot of this kind of the he's lived a different life than most people have lived. That is still a very just southern man who played some football that worked out really well for him. And you saw it in a speech. He was nervous. He was just kind of like, hey, love you guys. Bye. <laughs> it was just it was a very just like kind of oh, just impromptu. I, I, I busted his shops because I've, I've known him for a while yeah. now. So he's like, how did I do? And I said, man, I said, because, you know, that was one of the quicker press conferences. Because yeah. like you said, he doesn't he doesn't. He doesn't like to talk about himself. So, you know, I'm busting his chops. He's like, how did I do? And I said, man, I said, you kept just rambling. And, like, man, you just kept talking about yourself. And he looked at me, and I'm like, I'm just messing with you. And he won <laughs> because – but that's the thing. He doesn't like to talk about himself. He let his actions – I mean, it's so yeah. cliche. He let his actions do the talking for him. And he did that not just on the field with his play, but – and you got to experience it for a year. I know he was a freshman at the time, but you talked to anybody that played with him. He was a phenomenal just person in the community, phenomenal teammate. You knew that when Elshon was out there, whether it be practice, whether it be a game, he was going to give you everything he got. He left it all on the field. He said the only regrets that he has is that he wishes he was able to bring a national championship here, a couple SEC titles. But outside of that, I mean, there's not much more you could have asked from the kid. That grew up not too far from here at Calhoun County, and he comes here, and he has a phenomenal career. Became a legend. You know, it's one thing that's really funny, and it's for his offense. You know, it was P47 Wham, and, you know, that's just our play action off a counter, and then we always had two receivers off of that. And that went from P47 Wham throw to Sydney to P47 Wham throw to Alshon. (laughs) And it was really funny. I remember in camp we first did that. I was like, man, those are some big shoes to fill. And then I started watching him just one-armed, (laughs) <laughs> one hand catch the ball over people all the time, which, you know, over Stefan Gilmore and people like that who have all said long careers in the NFL. Phenomenal guy. Extremely happy for him. I love seeing, you know, two very recent players, Clowney and yep. Alshon Clowney up there right year. now. Yep. We've had a very good run at Carolina, and I hope that we're starting to watch the next really big run. Can I put you on the spot? Hit me. Who's the next one? Mike Matulis. I mean, you got to – hands down. No, I'm just kidding. Um, 
if we if if Rattler continues, I don't see how we don't demoralize him in some way. Mm-hmm. He has done a lot for this program. I, you know, one thing that someone had mentioned to me this week was, you know, what do you think this did for his his stock value? Sure. You know, and especially if you look at what he was put into at Oklahoma, it clearly won a situation to win. And Lincoln Riley is a phenomenal coach. They clearly won the right fit. And then you look at what he did last year. Last year he was good, but not just this like generational player. Mm-hmm. This year he's just the numbers are absurd. You got to understand, perfection is not something you do a quarterback, and he's had moments of just sheer perfection. That's that's unheard of, and that's something that we are very fortunate as Carolina fans to have in our build. Final thoughts. I, I think this is a good game. I think I think we're starting to see a lot of young guys step up. That was you know in, in my 0607 era, that was a lot of freshmen and sophomores just stepping up and figuring it out. And we had a lot of guys really start to become you know what Spurger is going to be known for was just bringing in you know, two-star, three-star players and just have them be successful. You know, Eric Norwood's one of the guys that I always lean on. That's a two-star guy. That's a little guy who was just absolutely wrecking people in the SEC. You know, we're watching – it's a different world. It, you know, feels like 100 years ago when I played, but we're starting to see Shane work with one of the smallest NIL buds in the world <laughs> in building a winning team. That is and, – and for those who don't really understand what that means, that is – S tier level ability to to win games when you got a, lot, a small NIL budget because that's that's everything right now is NIL. Um, so Clemson really built their name was guys were foregoing the NFL because they love the culture and Shane is starting to build that kind of culture here at, at South Carolina. I think if we continue to to progress like we've progressed every week, I think Tennessee game will be a very interesting game. And I don't think you guys realize that if we can go into Georgia and do what we did for that first half, the tools are there. We just got to make sure we we put them together. And the other thing, too, I want to bring up, the crowd here tonight was phenomenal. And uh, there were some uh, pretty big-name recruits here, starting with five-star commit for the class of 2024, Dylan Stewart. So I bring that up because I'm telling you right now, he's here tonight, and I'm not saying it's just strictly Dylan Stewart. However, don't be shocked to see a couple flips in favor of the Gamecocks over the next couple months. And the reason I say that is because it's one thing to sell a vision to a student athlete and say, hey, look, this is what could happen if you come here. Then you see that. Dylan Stewart, he goes back. He starts talking to some of these kids. Hey, man, this is, this is the real deal. So the reason I say that is just pay attention. Obviously, there's a couple other guys out there that South Carolina is hoping to be able to land that's not committed yet. Um, Daniel Hill obviously being one of them, the running back position. But, again, just – just pay attention to, to, to having said all that. Yeah. Um, and I think, too, look, having Alshon here tonight, I don't know. And I'll, you know, we'll, we'll get some updates. Wes and Chris, they do their weekend uh, recruiting updates and they, they ask the recruits that went, you know, how was it, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. I'm sure Alshon did a good job selling tonight, too. Oh, yeah. You know, he doesn't like to talk about himself, but I'm sure on a night like tonight, because yeah. Clowney, there's that picture with Clowney and Pup. Uh, Connie looks like a like a little kid next to the pup for crying out loud with how big pup was. Uh, but hey, awesome, awesome job by the crowd tonight coming on out here. Um, hopefully the audio is going to sound all right. If you're just joining us right now, wrapping up the program, the outstanding crew here, grounds crew, do a tremendous job of making sure this field is in great shape. They uh, waste no time. They started cutting it. So you'll hear that in the background and all that. But if you want to go back and want to fight through that, head on over to the Gamecock Central YouTube page. You can watch this show in its entirety. Or if you're a podcast listener, we'll have it up 
on the Gamecock Central podcast platform. Again, he is Garrett Anderson, former Gamecock offensive lineman. I am Mike Yuva. He is intern Joe. Intern Joe, wave one more time for the people. Intern Joe hasn't been able to really hear us tonight. We're having some technical di- I just want you to come on, Joe. Wave to people. He's in the back room. He can't hear us. Poor intern Joe. His heart's in the his heart's in the He's right place. His, butt off, no his heart's in the right spot. His heart's in the right spot. Well, for intern Joe, I'm Mike Yuba. He's Garrett Anderson. Appreciate everyone that tuned in tonight. And as we say after those wins, tonight is not one of those nights you have to mix in a water. Be safe, Columbia. Enjoy this win. And we will catch you on Tuesday night. GC Live talking Tuesday, but pay attention on Monday too for a very special guest for mixing a water. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads Money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager. Only $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York.